In my family, we love to play games. We love card games. We love double solitaire and pinochle and bridge. We play Monopoly, and my girls love to play the game of life, even though it takes forever. And one of the games that we like to play is called Pictionary. How many of you know Pictionary? Yes. And this is a game where one person is given a word and they have to draw on a big piece of paper with magic marker an image of how they can portray that word so that other people on their team can guess what the word is. Now you can imagine that even if you have very poor drawing skills, if you got the word hat, you could draw something that looks like a hat. Yes? And even if you got the word pineapple, you could probably draw something that somebody could recognize as a pineapple. Yes? But what about a word like grace? Or forgiveness? Or hope? What would we draw? How would we depict that? In the letter to the Hebrews, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And this is eloquent poetry, and we love these words. They mean so much to us. And thank God that we have them. But there is more than one way to understand this sentence because there are two words in it that are almost nowhere else in the Bible. In fact, the second word I'm going to talk about, the writer to the Hebrews actually made up. This is the only place where it is ever used. So the first word that I want to talk about is the word that we translate as assurance. That Greek word is upostasis. And we translate it as stasis and something to stand on, that firm foundation. But the King James Version takes the understanding more of the upos, which is substance. That faith has substance. It's almost material substance. That faith is not something intangible, but something that we really can hold on to physically. Faith has substance. It is as if the things that are hoped for are already present. The second word that I want to talk about is that word that we translate conviction. The word elegos has the sense of courtroom language, conviction as to convict, but it also has the sense of evidence, proof, so that there is evidence, pure proof of the real existence of faith. We can hope because we have proof that faith is real. 
and tangible. It has weight. It has substance. I have proof of faith, our writer says. And then he puts his marker to the pad of paper, and he draws a picture of Abraham and Sarah. And when he draws that picture, he might draw two people on a path that points in a direction with a question mark as people who left where they were and were obedient to God, to a place that God called them that they weren't even sure where it was. And they might draw a little baby laughing. Isaac, whose name means laughter, the son born to Sarah, when she was 99 years old. This is faith and what faith looks like. Abraham and Sarah, who left what they knew and had a vision of God's promise of abundance and blessing, that land flowing with milk and honey, a family that looked to the future, that God was giving them a future, and this blessing of descendants a life-giving God who created the world and called it good. And they remained loyal to God and God's promises, even though it took 25 years for them to know that baby called laughter. And they never really got to settle in that promised land. They remained faithful. Now, the writer of Hebrews draws this picture for people who need evidence that God is real, that faith exists, that there are people who have that kind of persistence and trust that the kingdom of God is flowing with abundance and blessing because they were really, really tired. The church had started out as strong and courageous. They met for worship every Sunday. They shared their food. They worked for justice. They did all the things that the church does with enthusiasm, filled with the spirit. But then life got hard for the church. And the church got out of sync with the culture. And people didn't like the church. Not the people inside the church. They loved the church. But the people outside the church did not like Christians because Christians didn't fit in. And when they worked for justice and they shared their food, they didn't have as much as they once had and it became harder. And that future of blessing and abundance just looked so far away. And instead of blessing, there was cursing and there was illness. All of the challenges that we just face in life. So Abraham and Sarah are that image of faith that the Hebrews letter draws for people who are tired, 
for people who need that encouragement. See? It's a little bit like we look to the Olympics and we get inspired by Gabby Douglas or Michael Phelps. There are people with that kind of life in them. There are people with that kind of spirit. There are people in our world who have the kind of faith of Abraham and Sarah. When I started thinking about my heroes in the faith, the first I thought of were the kind of Michael Phelps and Gabby Douglas people in my life that I could watch from afar, but were so incredibly good at what they did that I can never attain that. I'm not Bishop Tutu. I wish I were, sort of, but I'm not. And I'm not Jim Forbes even. Although sometimes I think I am and I start getting into that mode of preaching and I I swear, I try to challenge him, channel him, but I'm not Jim Forbes. I'm Molly. And the best that I can give to God is to be the best me that God has created. And so after I thought about the great heroes like Abraham and Sarah and those wondrous people, I started to think about other heroes in my life of faith. And I thought about people who took me to church and my mother who sat with me in the pew. And I thought about some early pastors that I had. And then I thought about this guy named Glenn, who was in the very first church I served more than 20 years ago when I was fresh out of seminary. And I taught an early morning Bible class before church. Yes, my friends. I was up that early teaching Bible study, which may explain my annoyance at this kid who showed up for early morning Bible study and was so precocious. We were doing Bible study, and my friends, it was like 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning, and he kept challenging me with these really deep theological questions and philosophical questions that really made you think. And I thought, who is this kid, really? And so one day, I just was so annoyed, I went to my senior pastor, and I said, what ha- what, what's with this? And he sat back and he looked at me and he said, Molly, Glenn has more master's degrees than you have. He's got two, and he's working on his third. He's in his mid-30s, Molly. See, Glenn had, he was born with growth hormone deficiency. And there was nothing that they could do. So he was one of these people who was just never going to grow up in the physical sense. He was just of slight build and looked like he was about 12, and he was always going to look that way. He was incredibly smart and accomplished. He was a teacher at the local college. And 
at church, Glenn was just Glenn. Nobody thought to even tell me because Glenn was just Glenn. And he loved the Bible. And he loved to think deeply and to challenge. And I mean, he was a teacher at heart. And his faithfulness was to this study. So Glenn was part of our 20, 30-something group. We had a great group of young adults. And we would go on retreats together, and we would play games. And Glenn was in there with all of us. We just forgot. And we have canoe trips and more Bible studies. And then one day, Glenn worked in New York City, and he was walking in Central Park when he tripped and he fell and he broke his hip. Now, (laughs) nobody stopped for him because they thought he was just this little kid. And how would a little kid need help getting up? Until finally somebody stopped and they got an ambulance and got him to the hospital and he was there and he must have been in traction or something and so our 20-30-something group got together and we all went to visit him and there was Glenn, happy as a clam, just filled with life and gratitude for the person who did stop and helped him and, and just filled with the Spirit. I saw in him this incredible gift of faith in abundance and in blessing and in a love for God I looked Glenn up, and Glenn is still teaching Bible study at that church in New Jersey. He's remained faithful all of these years, despite all of the challenges. And that gives me such hope. I think about him, and I'm inspired. And I want to be like him. He's proof for me that faith is real. So if I were going to draw a picture for myself, I'd draw a picture of Glenn with the Bible and with joy just coming out of him. Who would you draw? Now, how does one draw forgiveness? They might draw a drop of water, a river, a waterfall, a baptismal font. Because in all of the multivaried meanings of baptism, there is that meaning of forgiveness. We don't think about it with little children, but we Think about it more for ourselves when we're adults of what it means to be washed in the grace of God, washed of all of our sin and all of our shame and guilt. That we are made fresh and new, that that water is the visible sign of an invisible grace, just like Glenn is the visible sign of an invisible grace. The water is that sacrament. Glenn is that sacrament. We 
are that sacrament. And if you were going to draw a picture of hope, well, you might draw a table set as a banquet with chairs for everyone everywhere at any time in all of history with bread and wine. And you might draw our communion table because, again, that's our feast is a visible sign of an invisible grace that is the Holy Spirit. And that image of the banquet is God's image for us in Scripture of abundance and blessing that God has prepared for us that is made real and already exists here when we gather. We say a sacrament is a sign. It's not just symbolic. It is a sign that there is something that is real and true and the presence of God is with us. Not just symbolically, but with us. So we've been washed and we're going to be fed And as we take the offering and as you are preparing for communion, I want you in the little corner of your bulletin to write the name or draw a picture or imagine a person in your head, in your heart, who has been that evidence of a tangible faith so that you can leave today with that picture in your wallet to carry with you, like I have Glenn in my wallet, in my heart, to carry with me. When I get tired and discouraged, and I need that hope that God is really here and really works through people, Consider your heroes of faith. And then come and eat. For we eat with Christ, who is God's drawing of love and faith and hope. Let us pray. By your Holy Spirit, inspire us with your signs of grace. Become so real to us in the people in which your faith is at work in our lives, in the water, in the bread, and the wine, and the meal. Encourage us. Keep us going towards your kingdom of abundance and blessing. Make our own lives a sacrament that we may be visible signs 
of your invisible grace out in your world. Amen.